The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. And our newest sponsor, Paul Green Rock Academy. Whoa. I know. We'll talk about Paul Green Rock Academy later. Paul Green, that name might sound familiar to you. The official music school of the process. On the show today, we will start. We will start off with a Sixers jigsaw of sorts. Make Mike apologize for doubting Dario Saric. Maybe talk a little trash about national announcers, and give maybe a final verdict on whether we've had enough of Drew Hanlon or not. <laughs> uh, before we get going. On uh, Saturday is finally, after a delay, the uh, Providence Animal Center Bark in the Park. That's not what I want to talk about. Afterwards, uh, from 1.30 to 3.30, there will be a after party. Um, anyone can come, even if you don't do Bark in the Park, at the Sterling Pig in Media with Colony Meadery. We will raffle off some, uh, I have two autographed Dario Live Ricky 3 posters left, and one autographed TJ Mini Ball. I think I have a couple of two good t-shirts, so we'll do all that. Raise some money, drink some mead, maybe drink some beer, eat some food. 1.30 to 3.30, Sterling Pig and Media on Saturday. Without any further ado, here is Run the Jewels. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Copying of uppers and downers get done. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I am Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is still replying to tweets and knocking on whatever doors are left. That is Mike Levin. Hi, Mike. Hey, buddy. Hell of an election day. It was fun. To, it was exhausting and fun to reply to that many people. <laughs> uh, I <laughs> ran out of steam, but, had kept, but kept going, you know. That's my civic wow. duty, is to respond wow. to tweets wow. of people taking pictures of themselves having voted. <laughs> wow. How, you should, why didn't you just copy and paste, yeah, man? No. Uh, exclamation no. point. You, individual. individual. I looked at them all. I looked at them right. all. <laughs> looked at the weird angles of people's chins. A lot of thumb shots. There you go. It's everything you want. So before we get going, or not as, as we get going, first thing I want to ask you, if you had to bet, bet everything you had, you know, everything. I don't even know what that consists of, but everything you had. I don't know. You'd have to. You'd have to tell me. I'm, it's not much. Oh, it's not much, right? Uh, would you bet that Markel Fultz or Landry Shamet has a more productive NBA career? Ah, uh, starting us off hot. It's um, a cru- it's a tough one, isn't it? Tougher than it well, should be. Well, so the so productive is a tough call because yeah, there's a chance. Like, you know, who. What's an example? I know you. this is a loaded guy because you don't like him, but like DeMarcus Cousins has been yeah. like an all-star. I think who's more likely to be an all-star? Fultz. Who's more likely to be like a solid contrib- contributing role player uh, to various successful teams? Probably Shaman. But I think, you know, we're still, still waiting on that jump shot. Um, I see shots of Fultz that he takes that I'm like, that looks like a jump shot. That looks good. That looks normal. If someone was watching a game having never seen, having slept through the last two years, they could watch that and be like, oh, normal. That's a shot. What's going on? But then there's obviously some that are not quite like that. Um, But yeah, I'll still, I think I'm still morally obligated to say Fultz. I still, I'm I'm pot committed into Marco Fultz being the answer to this question. Right. The the uh, the math of it is or the the question really is, is that it seems like Shamit will definitely be a like, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of room in the middle for faults, at least not yet. It doesn't. And and Shamit immediately has shown. And uh, to all of our surprise, I think uh, that he has shown this this quickly 
that he will be a productive NBA player, it seems like. When I watch Shamit, people ask about his comparison and a lot of people have brought up Redick. And maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not disagreeing with that, but when I watch Shamit, I'm sort of like, oh, this is what I thought Stauskas would be. Um, mm-hmm. That's sort of what he, when I watch him, what I think of is that I, I sort of believe that Nick Stauskas, a little more athletic than Shamit, obviously, but how he plays his, his skill set in general uh, is what I thought Stauskas would be. I, so I, I would say that Stauskas is probably more athletic vertically, but I actually think laterally Shamit is, and he's very decisive as a player. He's quick because he makes quick decisions, and and Stauskas always seemed more hesitant. Uh, and maybe he's lost a little, he's uh, sped up his game a little bit in a good way in, in Portland, but Shamit right away just seems like, oh, he knows what he's doing. He's not lost out there and yeah. can like, can hang with the speed of the game, which I think is well, a, a lot of a lot of being an NBA player. Yeah, less about physical athleticism. And the, the thing about Stauskas you're right on is that it always seemed like he was nervous. Like he mm-hmm. definitely had a sort of spooked look in his eye a lot of times. Uh, he definitely seemed like he was nervous and unsure of himself when he was out there. But Shaman, even from the preseason, seemed like he knew what he was doing and was not was not particularly intimidated by it. He still looks wildly skinny to me. He looks yeah. very small out there, like his uniform is too big or something. But um, he definitely looks like an NBA player, for sure. Um, and a podcaster. You know. And a radio director. Wait. Oh, ha, 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 ha. I got it. <laughs> I didn't know what you were saying. <laughs> Amos was like, he doesn't really look like you, but he has, what do you say? He had a similar, (laughs) so he couched it somehow. It was like, he doesn't look like you, but he has the same face as you or something. Yes, he he has the exact same face. (laughs) He doesn't look like you, but his face is nearly identical to yours. Exactly the same. The Willie Green five-star Apple podcast review. Mike, we are getting dangerously close to 2,000. We're at 1,923 ratings. I don't know if you saw this, but I said that if, if, the, if the Democrats took the Senate, I would, I would have subbed in for you and read all of the uh, iTunes reviews. They didn't. They, they, they did, did not. not. They did not. So I so got to do it's it. Gonna have to, it's going to have to be you, buddy. Damn it. Well, when we hit 2,000 five-star reviews, I will read all of the reviews, five-star ratings. I will read all of the reviews from the last podcast to this one on one podcast. So all we need is 77 more ratings. Just get to it. Get it done already. I never thought we would be this close anyway. Uh, this one comes from, I can't even read it. He just typed in a bunch of letters, he or she. Subject line is, I'll keep this short. Philly boy turned Hollywood and noted Celtics fan talk Sixers. The only thing funnier than their arguments is the autoplay music on L.L. Pavorsky's website. Long live Kornblau, five stars. There you go. True. Love the autoplay on the Pavorsky website. Don't, Have don't you ever noticed... Yeah, I love it as well. Have you ever noticed, that's the thing about, I don't know if they still do it, because I always have my volume down. Restaurant websites used to be pretty famous for autoplay music. Every restaurant website had autoplay music on it. I always keep my, I always keep the uh, volume down. Anyway, I, but, I uh, think a lot of them do. I think... Still do? Italian places in Philly, for sure. There's nothing but autoplay <laughs> yeah, music. Yeah. So we had, as we... Teased in the beginning, the return of Dario Saric. The Mer- interesting thing, mercifully, mercifully for all of us. The interesting thing was not only did the shots go in, but they looked way higher. Like I, I don't, I, I, I it's not worth taking credit for anything you were right <laughs> about because nobody cares. But I do remember. I think in the very first preseason game, I was like, Dario's shot looks flat. Dario's shot looks flat. I said it like right away. And in this game, not only did the shot go in, but it did not look flat. Like there was definitely more arc on it. Uh, This has now happened to him every season in that he has started off slower. Um, Are you ready to apologize for saying that they should sit out Dario for a week and play Furkan Korkmaz? No. (laughs) They still should. wasn't 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 it one good game? Yes, but he only played like four games this summer. Maybe he's not tired. Maybe he's just like, maybe maybe he's like Charles Barkley. Oh. Maybe he come, 
comes into camp out of shape. I didn't think he was. It was just that he was tired. He was just playing oh. like shit. He was playing pretty. Bad. He actually the game against Brooklyn. He didn't do a terrible job. But yeah, I mean, look, I love Dario. I love Dario. The best, even Dario play, playing great. Not that this is uh, isolated and identifiable, but even Dario playing great was still a minus one in his best game of the season. So I, you know, he's got to be a really good offensive player to make up for his defensive inefficiencies. And when he's not, you know, as much of a distributor, uh, which he isn't on a team with Simmons and Fultz, then he's just got to be hitting shots. And so he did last night. I would still give him a couple of days off. Ride that win. Feel good as you, <laughs> as, you, as you ice your legs and wear cute suits. The uh, and get Korkmaz in here. Come on, he demands a trade. It. Let's see him. Let's see what he's got. No, fuck that. That guy will never play now. He's getting the Nerlens treatment that, uh, that the the Mavericks gave uh, Nerlens. He now that they didn't pick up, he demands a trade. They were like, wait a minute, who asked for a trade? All right, no option, no playing time. The people that have played for the Sixers over the last five or six years that don't like the Sixers that have like a bad taste in their mouth about the Sixers. I would say are Nerlens, Okafor, maybe Stauskas, Bayless for sure, and probably Korkmaz. Anybody else you can think of that would have a, a negative reaction? Well, he didn't play here, but uh, Andre Karolinko hated the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Stan Van Gundy, sure. But I'm saying just... Well, but, but Karolinko was a member oh, of... Oh, of course. Right. Uh, Stan Van Gundy was not. Uh, Stan Van Gundy was the uh, Washington Generals to our Globetrotters. Yes. So he's basically employed by the Sixers to get his ass kicked, his cottage cheese ass. I'm trying to think of it. And you know what's amazing is that Okafor never said a bad word about the team. Obviously, uh, he well, no, he that's said not true. afterwards, he said the thing about the doctors. He did yes. say the thing about the doctors. And wasn't there a coach? Didn't he say something about a well-coached something? That was like oh, he shot did. Of, he a did. shot of Brett? He did. After he left. It yeah. was after he left. Yeah. Nerlens was, while they were here, they weren't that bad. I mean, Nerlens, you know, had people wipe shit all over his walls, but I think he was, <laughs> he was, who among he was us? nice about, what's that? Who among us? Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. So you're not ready to apologize for Dario. You don't think he's back. I think Dario's back. Wow. Here, it's finally, here, Optimistic the, Spike comes out once in a blue moon, and it's about a good game out of Dario after nine or ten yeah. trash, trash ones. Oh, wait, dude, if you can be optimistic about Markel Fultz, I could be more optimistic about Dario. Fultz the, playing defense. That's the difference. It, it is amazing. I mean, I guess it's not that amazing. The difference that it makes when he's hitting shots when, when, when they've decided to do the Simmons faults thing on the floor at the same time, basically taking two people completely off the board who might shoot from distance. Uh, I think Derek noted earlier today that Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz have hit a total of um, two um, uh, shots off the catch this year. Uh, two total, both of them. So the difference it's with Dario, many. no, it it seems like almost as few as they could have possibly hit, even yeah. accidentally. If I can rem- the, recall both instances, then it's not many. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you can? Well, I can recall the faults one. Uh, they, wait, were they both faults? They both had to be faults, right? There's yeah. no way Simmons hit one. Yeah. No. Uh, the the difference that Dario makes when he's hitting shots on on the floor, uh, like just in terms of how the ball sort of swings around when it's happening and and the space it can create and the points that you get when the ball goes in, it is definitely different. So uh, here's here's to hoping that that Dario is actually back. I think he's back, hundred percent back. Hmm. <laughs> You're not there yet. No, it's sort we, of fun. It's just fun. It's fun to be on the on the negative side for once. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm like sort of splashing around in this pool and being like, ah. Oh. Well, you, here here's my happen. theory on that. Here's my theory on that. You know when uh, Batman like took the blame for the two face thing because he could take it and he like 
he left town and he was like, I don't care if everyone thinks that I did it. Like I can handle this. I sort of felt like you were like, well, I'm not going to hammer Fultz and I'm definitely not going to hammer Simmons. Dario can take it. Yep. <laughs> so in this case, Dario is Batman. <laughs> Yep, I yeah, like correct. That. Not you. You're not Batman. Dario's Batman. And 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 the other the other part of the equation is like Dario's not going to ever listen to the podcast. Like there's no way, no chance. So so God bless Dario. Uh, we've had a couple of games out of Wilson Chandler. Uh, boy, he has aged, is what I would say. He's a little slower than uh, than you would expect, though though competent and a little bit crafty. But, uh, but definitely definitely seems like he's a little slow and doughy. Well, Rusty. Yeah. You know, come back from injury. They're Especially gonna, that kind of injury. Yeah, it's good to have a minutes restriction back in our lives. So it's nice to monitor that. When I'm watching the Sixers, I'm like, I wish I could keep track of someone's minutes and, and, know, <laughs> and know when they should be sitting. It's been enough by now. Um, but I, I think even, I think he's just going to help. I think he's just having him there and yeah. allowing him to s- spell certain guys and be like, all right, we're not totally exposed defensively. It feels yeah. feels really a lot better. Well, yeah, he's a, a wing body at the very, very, very least, a wing mm-hmm. body who is a, a willing three-point shooter, a a uh, sort of capable ball handler and a, a capable-ish defender. So, um, yeah, it, to eat up minutes that... You know, well, one of the things that a lot of people have talked about this year and last year and the year before the, the the scream of Brett Brown rotations, Brett Brown rotations, and a lot of the problem has always been they have mismatched parts and it's been tough for him to do it. And having a guy like Chandler will help that out a little bit. You know, absolutely make make the lineup seem to make a little more sense. And Zaire. Yeah. Someday, I want to. I want a Zaire update. I want to. He's get, he's starting to resume basketball activities. He's running. He's uh, slow dancing at a wedding. Give me any update of his health and on the way to being a basketball player again. Because I believe I just want to see him play ball with like. Because in the preseason he didn't. Was he ever? Wait, did he play in the preseason or was that only summer? Yeah, league he did. He, played? he did. Oh, n- I think oh. I think it was just summer. No, league. summer league. It was just summer league. Yeah, right. I would love to see him on the court with uh, m- members of the Sixers. <laughs> So because <laughs> it makes it easier to have his skill set, which is, you know, not nearly ready to break people down off the dribble or run an offense or much at all, but to just be cutting and moving and occasionally hitting a catch and shoot three and then just being a pest on defense. Like I just want to see that with a with other professional basketball players. Well, my guess would be that you likely won't see that. Before January, oh, that and would suck. Maybe, maybe even February. No, come on. Yeah, I. My guess is that uh, because of what he's been through between the foot and the allergy thing, and I'm sorry, the allergy thing, the foot and the allergy thing, and the fact that Chandler's back now, and they didn't really expect him to be uh, a big minutes contributor. Um, like I, I don't think they're going to rush him back. I, I think it's probably going to be like February, but mm. who knows? Could I don't, surprise you. I just, he just seems. Like, I don't know what about. I don't make predictions like this much. Usually, I go on the safer side, but I just, he seems like a guy who heals fast. <laughs> I don't know. Didn't go to med school, but that's my read. Hmm. Well, we'll see. Okay. Uh, let's. Take a break to talk about our newest sponsor, Mike. Oh, here we go. The Paul Green Rock Academy. Now, you might be saying, Paul Green, that name sounds familiar. And Rock Academy, right. So Paul Green, now I've never seen the movie School of Rock, though I know exactly what it's about because I hate Jack Black. Oh, yeah. This is, I mean, this is a very Jack Black film, but it's a great movie. It's a very sweet, good movie. So- that guy uh, is based on Paul Green. Paul Green started the School of Rock. It became like a big thing and there were tons of them. And then he didn't do it anymore. And uh, he went up to Woodstock, New York and he started like a rock school thing up there. And here is a totally true story. So Paul Green is from here, from Philadelphia. 
and he's up in Woodstock, New York, and on a whim decides to drive his son down to the famous ESPN Sixers Rockets game. Wait, the, um, the one that Embiid came back for and then never played again after the season? Correct. Okay, so this is not, not last season, but the season before. Correct. And he's at the game, a big Sixers fan, and being surrounded by Sixers fans and being home again, decided that night I'm moving back home. Wow. So moves his family back here and uh, gets back into the teaching kids how to play rock music game again. The Sixers inspire rock music. Correct. What a story. In children. And, and adults, too. So the Paul Green Rock Academy, it is a, uh, like, you are getting, first of all, you, you are getting instruction from a guy uh, and, and guest uh, instructors, like big-time guest instructors who know what they're doing and have done this before. Um, so it's Paul Green. Here's, here are the different programs. There's the master's program, which is for young musicians, play all instruments, um, who are really, really, really good. All students tour, and all students play with these incredible guest stars. It's like you get three-hour rehearsals every week. Um, so that's the master's program. Then there's the junior program for um, uh, people who play, kids who play 10 to 18 years old who aren't quite as good as the master's program kids. And then, and this is really cool, an adult program for those of us who have always wanted to do it and we haven't, um, the adult program as well, great shows, like you, you'll play shows. Um, and here's the other thing, you could hire this band if you wanted to. If you have a party or a wedding, they have all of these bands that you can hire from, hire. Um, I, I don't know, like this is a really cool thing. It's really exciting that he's back and doing it again. Um, he claims to have been telling his students to trust the process since 1998. I don't know. Very cool. Um, it's before the Tony Roten article, so I can't confirm it, but he says it. The Paul Green Rock Academy, the official music school of the process, to join, to book, to find out more, go to paulgreenrock.com. There you go. School. Wow. Very excited to have Paul on. Yeah. It's fun, it's he, fun to have and, a new sponsor. Yeah. He, he, the fact that he listens to the pod um, is crazy i had lunch with him he's like ah i can't believe we're having lunch together <laughs> I was like, the fuck are you talking about there's a movie about you um no uh i uh, so one of the things that happened that happened a little bit in the um brooklyn game and then happened a little bit more in the uh what's the game we just won the indiana game is the small lineup with ben um playing the four slash five and mm-hmm. faults playing the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you talked about it after the Brooklyn game, I think, and then it happened in the Indiana game. And uh, there was a little more Ben sort of knowing what he's doing, playing in the, the post, I thought. Um, you know, as soon as Embiid comes back, it looks messed up to me. But um, I don't know. It was sort of interesting. Gives him a different look, you know, a little switchier. Yeah, and and... I I think because Amir only played five minutes in the Indiana game, yeah, uh, and they were without Muscala because he got punched in the face. Yeah, I'll, I actually I am I believe that his face his nose was accidentally broken by TJ. Um, by TJ, I believe I that is maybe what I heard. It was in a scrimmage. That is maybe what I heard. TJ's fist? TJ's elbow? No, 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 no. There's no TJ's fighting. TJ's head? Did TJ Chris Benoit headbutt him in the nose? There's no fighting, and it is not confirmed, but I heard it might have been TJ. That's what I heard. It might have been TJ. What a psycho. Okay, so... We'll get to it. He didn't do it on purpose. Yeah, that's not I mean, what I heard. <laughs> and we'll get to it later. What a, a start... To his Sixers career, Mike Mascalas. We, we will get to that later. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So they're without him. And I, I think the – look, we've talked about this before. Uh, playing Fultz and then especially playing Fultz and Simmons together is a thing that will likely uh, disrupt your chances of winning games today. 
uh, in the present tense. But it's a thing that you have to do because these are your two of your three best players, or at least uh, highest upside players, and you want to see them share the court together and, and get comfortable with each other and learn how to play well together. And a sort of middle ground, or at least a half step of doing that, is playing them together without Embiid and in a small ball lineup to where there is more spacing, to where the the offense has to scramble, or the defense has to scramble a little bit more to, to keep up with people. And also, uh, it'll cause, it'll open up driving lanes for Fultz and Simmons if there's not a big guy in there uh, to whether it's if there's not a big guy in there or there's not a uh, rim protector on the other team uh, to try to get to the rim because, you know, obviously shooting outside is not quite their forte at the moment. So I think that that's just a smart way to do it. They got to play together, and the best way to do that for now until either of them have a jump shot, hopefully both, is to uh, do a centerless small ball lineup with them. Yeah, I... Um... I, and I also think as well, um, I, my guess is that the faults starting thing is sort of coming to an end. Uh, I, I, I don't have any inside information on that, but that is a tea leaves sort of, um, I don't know, educated guess that that won't go that much longer. But them finding ways to different lineups that he can be effective in is important before that happens. And I think this is probably part of that is, is seeing that that works um, is is good. I, I still am not buying the entire, I'm not buying the fault Simmons and Bede thing because I just, it's too crowded. It's just like, it, it really makes Embiid like as effective as he is, he is like the least effective when it's those two guys with him, at yeah. least right now. Yeah. Um, so, but I think I think lineups like this, um, and uh, you know, it it opens a world up for Simmons where he's going to have to learn until until he he will shoot these other ways of utilizing him. So. He doesn't, it's the same thing with faults, you know, uh, these different ways of utilizing with them so that they can't, so the whole team doesn't have to be based around their deficiency, I yeah. think is important too. You know? Well, so the interesting, so you're right, playing the three of them together right now doesn't work. Um, but it's almost like, look, you and you want it to work at some point someday because in the future, in the conference finals, you're going to want three of your best players on the court and you want them to be able to not be, because that's a really tough Simmons Embiid faults, and then you add like a Covington and either a Chandler or a uh, Zaire or you know I'm just I'm naming defenders now, but that's a tough lineup to score against when you need to stop. Yeah. Um, and so you want that to be able to work. Right now it doesn't, um, but for for the most part, the hope is in having those three cornerstone superstars. And hope uh, I keep saying this in hopes that Fultz becomes that guy, but. Uh, you don't always have to play them together. Like that's the the idea yeah. is that you know with Chris Paul and James Harden is that you can stagger their minutes. And so uh, running a team out there with two of Embiid Simmons faults at all time is uh, <laughs> with a with a fault at its full capacity is really imposing and doesn't give the other team a break at all. But that's that's the benefit of having three. You know. Uh, dynamic two-way superstars, three-way, yeah. So uh, we'll see if it gets there. But um, we want them to be able to play to get play well together. Right now, it's not working. So I would mix it in occasionally to get there. I, you know what? No, I would say at this point in the season, let's just focus on Fultz and and Embiid playing well together. Fultz and Simmons playing well together in a small ball right, lineup, yeah. and then. Once we feel comfortable there, then we can have all three and see if there's a way to make that work going into the playoffs. But odds are it's not going to be successful this season. But if if they can make a full Simmons lineup work and a full MB lineup work, then we're I, I feel really good about that. I feel optimistic and positive. And I think I think that's kind of reflected in Fultz's just uh, eye test wise his how the team operates with him on the court lately. I think they're starting to figure it out. And, and even if he's not crazy successful numbers wise, I think the team is playing at a higher level in the past couple weeks with faults than they had been in the past. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, they're, they, yeah, they, they're figuring it out. 
a, a little bit better. And I, I do think, you know, people talk about staggering, you know, and, and bringing up Paul and Harden is a good thing, is, is effective in talking about that because yes, they stagger them, but both guys also play 36 minutes. So they're not staggered all the time. Like they do have to, yeah. they do have to play together. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I do think at this point to avoid the frustration and the, I, I, I just don't think playing, and I, I've changed my mind on this because I was very, you got to start faults. You got to start faults in the beginning, but if, if Ben's still not gonna shoot and Markel's still not gonna shoot, then I, I don't know that there's anything that they're figuring out together yet with all three of them together. Yeah. I just think putting them in positions to succeed also will, will make it less likely that there is focus on faults for them not playing well too. Like giving him a little bit of a breather from that, I think is a, a good idea. Too. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the, st- the starting of it all, I don't care. It doesn't matter if someone plays five minutes to get the, f- if a lineup plays five minutes together at the beginning of the game or at the end of the third quarter, the points count for the same. Uh, the last minutes of the game, obviously the defense is tightened up and stuff, but uh, I, I just, you know, we like seeing Fultz play point guard by himself and if it's going to be him and Simmons, then let it be a small ball lineup. So, uh, but I, I also see the rationale of this gives him confidence. This makes him feel like they're, you know, that's that's the main thing they got to do is keep giving Fultz confidence. And if you know, then that's then that's what they got to do. I, you know, I trust them to to know him more than I would. And again, they're seven and five. Uh, the team's playing fine all together. There's some Covington's been great and Bean's been great. Simmons has been intermittently great. We've we got something in Shamit. Like the team looks Dario hopefully will drag himself out of the sewer. Uh Chandler back. Zaire. Uh not having an allergic reaction anymore. Um yep. but I think all told, like there's been some hysterics about like where the Sixers are. But they're they're seven and five. They have a couple decent wins. Things are going to come together fine. They're going to be in the playoff mix in the top four or five seeds. Like, hopefully, they. It's a long season. Nobody, nobody remembers the fucking beginning of the season by the end of the season. Like, I know there's fucking eighteen ringer podcasts a week about the NBA, but like, we don't have to come up with a new narrative every two days about who the league. It's like they're, they're going to be fine. They're going to win forty five plus games, and if they come together at the right time in the playoffs, it doesn't matter if they won forty five or fifty three. Like, it's fine. So. Uh, I I just feel I feel good I feel generally good about the state of the team. Um, I think they're going to need to pick up some other guy in whether yeah. it's a trade or a, or a buyout situation. But I think things are just like coming together, maybe slower than we'd like. But they're you know with with the Wilson Chandler edition and and the Miscala edition of them coming back and playing, it starts to feel like okay they're not super crazy thin they still need one maybe one more guy and if Dario's shooting then it's good and if Fultz can they're starting to figure that out more then it's good and beat is playing out of his mind consistently so I mean I I don't know maybe the expectations were just too high but yeah they were I think they were I think it's, they, they were yeah they, I mean they were too high and we also didn't know what to expect from Fultz and we didn't know what to expect from Simmons and uh I, you know, I think they're going to make a trade and I, I think it'll be for somebody a little bit more than a, a buyout guy, you know? I, I think there will be somebody, well, who knows who the buyout guy is, but I, I agree with you. I think they are definitely a rotation player short at this point. Um, and I, I don't, whether Zaire Smith comes back, when he comes back or not, I don't I don't think he is at the level of what, what they need. Um, I... Uh, yeah, there was a lot that was unsure of. And to be honest with you, like they have not, aside from Embiid and the the occasional Simmons moment, they haven't been like really fun to watch this year, you know? And I think some of that is expectation comes along with the fact that people are expecting them to win 54 games and get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then every time they don't play well, it gets a little more nerve wracking than it did before. But it's been clunky. You know, it's been, um, it just clunky. has been. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So, uh, wait, uh, quick question. This is not about yeah. the Sixers. But uh, I was listening to the Zach Lowe interview with Mike D'Antoni. And he mm. talked about uh, Trevor Reza leaving. And he was mm-hmm. like, I respect Trevor. Go get your money. 
Uh, we couldn't pay him all that money, so uh, do what's right for your family, blah, blah, blah. Do you think that, because I think he can go back to Houston if he gets like bought out or traded by Phoenix. So like, what a nice and very clever move it would be to be like, hey, go to Phoenix, go make a fuckload Get of money. Your money. And then yeah. in a couple months, come play for us again. That's <laughs> like a really good life choice for Trevor Reza and probably works out for Houston. Can you imagine if they get him back in like February and they're like, oh, yeah, we got this guy that everyone said we were going to miss. Well, now we have him again. So Well, it sort of seems like the handshake agreement that they ended up getting fucked on with Chandler Parsons, though. They're like, we'll not pick up his option. Then we'll just re-sign him. And they're like, oh, no, somebody signed up to a max offer sheet and he's gone. It's a little risky if that was the plan. Uh, but yeah, that would be fucked up if he went away, get, had somebody else give him $15 mm-hmm. million dollars, and then came back and played for the Rockets. I respect yeah. it. That, that would be, yeah, fucked up and I respect it. I, I am disappointed we don't see TJ on the floor at all right now. I, I get it. I understand. But I like watching TJ play. And it's sad for me. It is uh, incredible to see how supportive he is on the sidelines to everybody while he doesn't play at all. Like, I, I know this is funny to say, but the only playoff game they won against the Celtics was because of him. Yeah. And, that, and now he's not playing at all. Uh, and he's still being cool about it. And it's nice to watch. I yeah. Guess. A bummer, bummer that we can't see him play, but nice to see him do it. Yeah, I think things will change. I think people get injured. And I, mm-hmm. the, the benefit of Fultz and Simmons starting to play well together, and when they play together, then that would mean, oh, there's backup point guard minutes available because they're playing on the court together. So I think maybe that that open things opens things up. But I think... Yeah, I mean, I would say for TJ, it's like, what else is he going to do? He's going to contract a year. Uh, is he going to start complaining and then not be a good teammate? It, it makes himself, there's nothing he can do. Complaining about it doesn't yeah. probably help. So he may as well like come out and be like, I'm the best teammate of all time. Sign me for that. And you've seen me play before, so I, I'm that same guy. So there's, I think there's a, you know, that's a, that's a good business decision also, but I also think he's a good teammate and a good guy. And I think him and Fultz mm-hmm. are very close. So that's, you know, it's nice to see. Uh, let's take one more break to talk about our original sponsor, L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. He who has sold 108 engagement rings. So writes to Ricky Sanchez listeners. Mike, let me read you this, uh, this email from a, a, uh, an L.L., uh, a Ricky listener and an L.L. customer. Um, good evening. It is your regular, your resident Australian Twitter lurker, Nick. I recently traveled to the U.S. with my now wife, Dom. We got married in Las Vegas. It was everything we thought it would be and more. She was more. She was gracious enough to grant me some time in Philly, a place I had not been since the Iverson, Iguodala, Corver, Sixers of the middle aughts. I organized to meet your jewelry ped- peddling sponsor, L.L. Pavorsky, so we could pick out some wedding bands, and I would like to report that he did not disappoint. He hosted us, regaled us in process stories, and I felt like I knew how the sausage was made. He gave us good Ricky prices, made me seem like I wasn't completely crazy in my Sixers fandom to my wife, and turned the whole thing around in two days. Really incredible service. Um, but it didn't end there. We discovered that we were both attending the home opener sitting in the same club box. Only the best for LL, I'm led to believe. The surprise on his face when he arrived at his seat and found that I would be sitting right next to him. It was a surreal time that only got weirder when we ended up at the game together. The whole Pavorsky clan was in attendance. I even got to buy Lil Jake Pavorsky his first beer. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, Nick says, what a weird and wonderful community you have fostered. I can't thank you enough for giving a voice to a particular kind of suffering Sixers fan. There's no other fan base like it. I couldn't be happier. Um, L.L. Pavorsky, the first guy to believe in the pod in that way and uh, and sponsor it and still here. Mike, the 31st annual holiday party, L.L. Pavorsky holiday party is December 8th, a Saturday night. Of course, I'll be there with my wife. Saturday night from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., the party will benefit the Philadelphia Veterans Comfort House. Um, Of course, incredible uh, discounts on all sorts of jewelry, Pavortinis, complimentary, mini cheesesteaks, 
and all kinds of raffles to win great jewelry from LL Pavorsky. Uh, LL wanted me to let you know, if you want to buy an engagement ring or any jewelry for the holidays, get in touch with Lee now. It's going to get very busy, so the earlier you can make an appointment uh, if you're going to get a ring, the better. Give him a call, 215-627-2252. Tweet him at LL Pavorsky or shoot him an email, llpavorsky.com. For every podcast, um, LL makes generous donations to Coded by Kids and the Providence Animal Center. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Jewelry. Appear wealthy to passersby. I missed that one, I think. I don't know. Oh, 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 by wearing jewelry, you appear wealthy to passersby. Exactly. It's right. kind of weird that it's like, I, you don't, nobody like walks around holding money, just right. like dollars on their finger. But here's a ring right. that costs. That's you know, what a jewelry's lot. for. Yeah. Yeah. So Drew Hanlon, uh, in just one of the most, you know, the rule is, and I do not subscribe to this rule, but I believe in it fully. Just don't ever tweet anything. Don't tweet mm-hmm. anything. And Drew Hanlon loves just talking, you know, bragging, you know, getting handies on the sort of on the court side after the game. And Kyle Kuzma's trainer tweeted at him something bad, you know, you should apologize or something like that. And Drew Hanlon decides to um, clap back and say, um, don't, don't make fun of players. That's unprofessional. Uh, Mark Fultz is still injured and Kyle Kuzma sucks. And he deleted it very quickly afterwards. Markel Fultz uh, said that he is not on social media during the season, which is wow, just about the boldest claim ever. At least J.J. Redick deleted his social media before saying that a hundred times. Markel's definitely on Instagram. Yes. He's decidedly on Instagram. uh, Mike Angelina, WIP, counted like 81 Twitter actions since the season has started like between retweets and likes and all that kind of stuff. So he's definitely on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, said that he didn't know what he was talking about, said that he felt fine. Um, boy, I think I've just had enough of public Drew Hanlon. If, if he wants to be here and help Fultz through the shooting thing, that is fine. But I, I don't think we need to hear from Drew Hanlon anymore. <sighs> he wasn't injured he's still still not injured he just forgot how to shoot and that sucks that's there's a lot in there that we don't know about but everybody keeps calling it an injury it never was (laughs) it's laughable that they keep doing this um so yeah, so I um, I don't know. Is he saying he's injured because he's it's bad for business that Markel still shoots like he didn't work with Drew Hamlin for three months, four months? Well, and is he you know uh, he didn't say you know you could say that if he still he said he's still not healthy is what he said actually. Okay. So I guess you could you could yeah. theorize There's that a- he's talking about m- mentally, but. Sure. Uh, the stigma that comes along with that, wrongly so, but the stigma that comes along with that would lead me to believe that even though he regretted the tweet immediately, that he would have never even tweeted that if that's what he meant in the first place. I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a a more charitable read of that. It's still not great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. He doesn't have to tweet. I just want to say I know we're still here, but. Uh, the Celtics are down thirty to twelve to the Suns, and I just want to. Li- I want this to, this podcast to crystallize a world where that happened, and uh, they'll probably end up winning. But thirty to twelve, Celtics down. Yeah, the Celtics are taking a little longer to figure it out than uh, than I figured. Oh, are they? So, yeah, maybe they're fucked. Oh. Maybe <laughs> they could be. I'd, I I would be happy to live in a world in which the Celtics were totally fucked, where every every 
every suggestion at what what could go wrong with the the Celtics that I laughed at, I will happily be wrong about that. Kyrie not really making the team better. Gordon Hayward, where's he going to get his shots? Too many guys. Having to get paid soon. Aaron Baines, not a 96% three-point shooter against anyone but the Sixers. I don't know. I am very concerned on their behalf. Um, uh, you want to do a little around the league with Ish Smith? You're leading sure. it off with the Celtics. I had a few little issues. Great. So I had a theory I thought about earlier, and it, at, I, I didn't read it. Um, somebody tweeted at me that Tom Harberstrow wrote a, a Steph Curry is the new Jordan thing. My theory is that if Steph Curry wins another championship this year and then Durant leaves and Curry wins another one, he's the second best player of all time. Hmm. I don't he know. He will have I, had. I don't know. I don't know. Because he's, he's never going to be an above average defender. Well, but he's average at least. But to be the second best player of all time, you should be better just, than average at half of the game. I feel like the only three players or four players to have changed the game definitely that, that Curry is in the class Absolutely. with is like Jordan, Wilt, Shaq, and like and him. And he's like, when he's on, it's almost impossible to beat them. And if he, you know, people forget, I don't. But like before Durant, his team, you replaced Durant with Harrison Barnes and they won more games than any other team in the history of the NBA mm-hmm. in the regular season. They won 73 games. He won a championship without him. If he goes on and wins, this would be three with Durant, right? Yeah. So before total, if he wins a fifth without him, I don't know, man. It's really hard to keep him. I have, I'd have my head of Magic and Bird and all those guys. I, I, I don't know, man. Um, it's just, it's just tough because, I mean, I don't know. Can, is there any sport other than like golf that you can say there's the one thing that they do, or the all the things that everybody else is doing, all the same things, like. He doesn't. He doesn't protect the rim. He doesn't really. He can't. He can't switch onto people. It's half the. Ga- it's half the game. I don't know, but it's obviously not. You know, he's never going to become an elite defender just because of his limitations, physically. Um, but I don't know. I. I don't know. I. That's we talked. When we talked about MVP stuff last year. It was like, yeah, Harden's having an incredible year, but all the other guys are doing things on both ends of the court, and he, you know. Takes a break, and it's fine. It's fine to not to, to be like I'm going to focus on offense and cover the worst guy on the other end. Um, but when you're factoring in the best player, wouldn't you rather have the guy who can do it on both ends, like a LeBron and Jordan and Kawhi and Giannis and all that stuff? Yeah, Embiid. Brief. We have to do this. Brief interview. Brief interlude for Embiid. He's so good. He's so very good. He's very good at basketball. It's nice that he's on our team. I like it. The worst part about the Sixers, let's say only winning 47 games rather than 54 or something, is that it will take Embiid out of MVP discussion, especially if the Bucs, like the Bucs are going to win 55 games. Like they're definitely going to win 55 games. Well, they are. And, um, uh, And that will, like... Even I, I don't know who else will be in the running for it, but it will definitely put Giannis in a place where because everyone wants to vote for fucking Giannis anyway. So if they win that many games and the Sixers don't, it'll make it hard for Embiid to get it. That would be the only bummer because Embiid has been just fucking spectacular. So is you your know? is your pick right now for MVP whoever finishes with more wins between the Sixers and Bucks? <sighs> Let me think. Well, unless Curry wins it. To me, yeah. to me, it's like, I know people are like, well, why? I, w- they shouldn't have to split the vote, Curry and, and Durant. But like, they should. They should. They should. That's what happens. If you want to build a super team and have two, or th- two of the best four players in the league and like three of the best 20, four of the best 25, with Cousins, five of the best 25. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, then you're not going to win MVP. You're not going to. 
you're not doing you're not the most I, valuable players because there's other most valuable players on your team. So you're just not you don't eat up that much of the pie. Teams I, guys that I, are doing doing it more by themselves are are more valuable to their to their team than the than I, the guy with a ton of other incredible teammates. Yeah, I don't I don't think of MVP that way. I just think about mostly best player. I it's too hard. I, I don't like rewarding uh players for having a worse supporting cast. That seems unfair too. You know? Um and it it makes it more difficult. I would just um, say I would say it's not rewarding if, players for having a uh worse supporting cast. It's rewarding players for being that successful of a team despite having a less than elite supporting cast. Yeah, I don't know. I if if Steph Curry continues along the trajectory that he has so far. So so far this year, Curry is averaging 31 points, five and a half rebounds, six assists. He is shooting 52.5% from the field, 50.8% from three, and 92% from the free throw line. His PR is 30. I, I don't know. He he'll ha- he'll win it if that happens. I think. Okay. I think he'll win. Let it, me ask you a question. You know? How many games did the yeah. Warriors win last year? Uh, I did sixty. Three or something? I don't know. Sixty-four. If you replace sixty, if you replace Steph Curry with JJ Redick mm-hmm. for the regular season last year, how many games they win? I would say uh, probably the same. Well, but they would do well, different things. I'm not saying JJ would do the same thing Steph does. Yeah. Um, but they have other guys that they would give shots to, and he would. They, JJ would take you know. 70% of Steph's right. responsibilities but and they'd give more to Durant and Clay and stuff. He, here's I just don't, here's I just where don't, I think you, you might be wrong, though. Tell me. Like, just think about the 73-win team. What if you replaced Steph Curry on that team with J.J. Redick? Yeah, like, it'd be a lot worse. For sure. Right. So, so, so doesn't that mean, maybe not, but that doesn't that mean that maybe we are discounting how valuable he is to the current Warriors? I, oh, I think he's very valuable. I think he's very, very good. I'm not saying he's not good. I would never say that. He's absolutely very good. I'm just saying the way the team is currently constructed for this season, that we would be judging who the MVP is, Right. then you could replace him with a guy who's very good offensive player that can, be maybe, that can give you maybe 70% of what Steph gives you. Pivot some of that responsibility to Durant or Draymond or Quinn Cook. And they would still win the same amount of games. And to me, if that's the case, then that, you can't be MVP. There's too many good players on your team. You can't be MVP. Hmm. Interesting take. I, d- I didn't Thank expect you. that take out of you. Yeah. Well, you got a little it. A mo- so. little more around the league. Is signing Tyson Chandler and acting like it's a big deal the most Lakers and LeBron move possible? I like the Tyson really Chandler signing. So. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Obviously, is, is it going to make a huge difference? No, probably not. But, it, you know, they're getting a lot of, out of JaVale uh, and probably playing him too many minutes. So, I, you know, they, their locker room is probably not great. Tyson Chandler, good locker room guy, has won a title. This, it's definitely starting down the path of what you're concerned about, which is LeBron starts to sign the old guys he's heard of. Uh, Starts to yeah, it, it's a whole team right. full of them. Do you think that that was more LeBron or Magic that went and got Rondo and Stevenson and? It was you know. it was LeBron. I I have no doubt. You don't think I, it was like, Magic at all? You think it was he was okay? Fine, I'll do no. all these things. No, I think uh, I well I think LeBron approves and and I I think LeBron is picking everything that's happening there. I truly do, but that's not that's my brand. I think he makes all of those decisions all the time. So. Um, even though he denies it. So I just, I, the Tyson Chandler one, I'm not even blaming him for it. Like if you want to pick up Tyson Chandler, go ahead and pick up Tyson Chandler. But it is the most, like it is perfect. It really is perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Uh, and the final thing is your opinion on the Jamal Murray three-pointer followed by the Kyrie Irving temper tantrum at the end of the Celtics Nuggets game. I think this is an example of who Kyrie is and the kind of uh, poisonous cancer he is to (laughs) the team. Who cares? 
Okay. Who cares? Right. Jordan Clarkson threw a basketball at Dario when he tried to dunk at the end of that game. Anyone, like, anyone that gets upset when they're trying to get shown up, it's basketball. You guys are playing a child's game where professionals keep your stats and then you get contracts based on them. We remember that Brandon Jennings scored 55. We don't remember, like, how they came. We don't remember one being, like, on a technical foul shot that wasn't actually his point that he had earned. You just don't remember 55. So if Jamal Murray would have gotten 50, wait, did he get 50 out of it, or did he not quite get there? He did not. Right. He missed the shot. Then he, he ended up with 49. Then he would have got. Then he would have been added to the guys who have gotten over 50 forever, and it wouldn't have mattered. So who gives a shit? Kyrie. Fucking dick. You think the, you think the fucking world is flat, you idiot? <laughs> Let him shoot the shot. You're playing basketball. Let him shoot the shot. Uh, you think the fucking world is flat? You're, you, did you see where they had him somewhere? Maybe it was a, a TED talk or something. And he, he talked about all the science teachers being mad at him for saying the world was flat. And he apologized for it. But nowhere in the apology did he say, I know that the world isn't flat. Yeah. Like, he still won't fucking say it. It's infuriating. Well, it shouldn't even be like him has to say, I know the world is flat. He should just say, I know that this isn't my area of expertise. I'm going to choose to trust the people (laughs) whose it is. I've never seen myself. I've never flown around the world to see. But, like, you have a pretty good idea. From the people who know. Guys. So, f- final thing, as we honor Mike Mascala, uh, his, his welcome to the Sixers, in that his start of his Sixers career was his dad went and tweeted some racist stuff, unfortunately. Then he, like, twisted his ankle in practice and missed a game or two. And then he broke his nose in practice. Um, all and in TJ first- taught him a lesson. TJ lashing out yep. because he didn't isn't getting minutes. Speaking of, <laughs> uh, I got teed up last night in our game. My first tee, oh. my first tee of the season. Wow! Yeah. For what? It was a frustrating game. We only had five guys, so everyone was getting tired, and we were kind of getting they're running on us. So we just got more and more frustrated. They were not calling the game evenly. They were giving them a few uh, extra uh, reach-ins that we weren't getting, and uh, I drove. And some guy tried to take a charge, and I went around him, and he still then he hit me in the head, and they didn't call a foul on it. And I yelled at the ref, "He hit me in the fucking head!" Wow. And he teed me up, but the guy missed the foul shot because bottom line, and we lost by well, like twelve. Welcome, Mike. You join Nerlens Noel, who missed his first year with a torn ACL. Joel Embiid, who missed a year with a broken foot and then missed another year with a broken foot, and then missed half a year with a torn meniscus. Ben Simmons, who missed an entire year with a broken foot. Furkan Korkmaz, who missed almost a year with an entire foot, with a broken foot, and when he came back, they wouldn't play him, and then they didn't even pick up his option. Zaire Smith, missing half a year with a broken foot and a really bad allergy that caused some sort of surgery. And now there's Mike Muscala, uh, welcome. If you can survive this, as Joel Embiid has showed us, then uh, you will be okay. So welcome to the club, Mike Mascala. It's That's all I got. Yeah, it's gotten out of... Being a Sixer requires you to just uh, leave any sense of sanity and normalcy at the door. Because some weird shit's going to happen to you when you're here. I, I think I might have a concussion. You might? Might. My- yeah. Uh, uh, Are you a so sixer? My dog, I, I might be. I was uh, playing with my dog, and I had my head right over his head, and he sort of like jumped up and freaked out and hit his head into my chin, and my like my teeth like slammed together, and I got real dizzy, and I spit out some blood. Bl- and uh, this whole podcast, yeah, this whole podcast, I've been like pretty dizzy. Fuck. Um, <laughs> Shit! I hope I don't have a fucking concussion. Yeah, lay down or something, man. Yeah. All right. Well, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta edit the pod. Okay. As yeah, <laughs> then I'll lay down. All right. We will. Uh, next pod will be Sunday. Come out to the uh, the Colony Meadery 
Uh, after Party for Bark in the Park, it is at the Sterling Pig in Media, one thirty to 3.30. Um, come uh, buy a raffle ticket. We'll go to the Providence Animal Center, and you could win one of the uh, the Dario posters or uh, one of the T-shirts I bring or the TJ ball, and that's all I got. Spike. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, is yeah. uh, being ran for t- tests? On uh, via our trainers, and he will be reevaluated in approximately three weeks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, all right. You know a TTT. Yeah, you know Lickface. We are the murderers there. That went to jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then went to hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke powder of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Come from the clouds on a missile to turn.